welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. And tonight, we're going to be talking about breeding season prep, Cajuns, and a bunch more stuff that uh, who knows what will come up. But... Um, we did get a message uh, asking if we could go over some of the things. Uh, I mean, we've done the show probably five times, but yeah, <laughs> we uh, yeah. yeah we definitely <laughs> learn new stuff each time, and uh, you know we'll go over and hit on it. Um, crazy as it is, I mean, I don't know about you, Owen, but like me now is when I start getting ready for breeding season. And it's like uh, the old saying: you got to feed to breed. Mm-hmm. Um, now's when I really start putting food to the girls, um, and make sure that they get them up to size and whatnot, but we will get into all that. What's up with you, man? Uh, I just had stout bread lie. Nice. Yes. That's it's the like second my time second you bred time. them? Yeah. It's my second time hatching the same female, different males. Um, and l- unlike the last clutch I got, which was like. Uh, I think it was like 16 boys and three girls. And I'm like, you bastards. Um, but this one <laughs> 16 girls seems and to have three a, boys. Yeah, this one seems to have a nice split of boys and girls. So I'm, I'm happy about that because, you know, a lot of times people are just getting into bread lie. They kind of want to grab a pair. So uh, mm. or, or a female, you know, it's never nobody ever runs mm-hmm. out and goes, you know what I really want? A lone male. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man! But I, I want a so lone true. normal. It's like great, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, dude, it was. Uh, it, it's good. Um, I'm done. I'm tapped on babies. Everybody's out uh, except for like uh, the second clutch of corn snake eggs that I wasn't expecting. So mm. I'm done, dude. It's a good season already. It's uh, over a hundred babies, and uh, uh, most of them are eating. That are not eating the. That I hate them, so they just uh, <laughs> like they're like we shouldn't be. I'm like I know, just eat your food. So you know it's. But other than that, dude, it, it's been it's been a season that's like August has crept up on me, dude. It's like you're talking about the feeding to breed. I'm like holy shit, that's right. I should get on that. It's like it's <laughs> yeah. August. I'm like holy crap. It's, yeah, yeah. So, breeding season is what? What do we got? August, September. I don't even want to think about that. October. No, it's like. We yeah. got four months. Four months. We got four months for the cool down. <laughs> oh my freaking god! What are we doing on show? We have to get. I have to go feed snakes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. So, yeah, it goes quick, man, for sure. Yeah. Um, it goes quick if you spread your season out. If you spread all your babies out. If you're the kind of guy that like all your eggs are hatched at by like late June. I bet you July is just like, uh, dragging. But I had a clutch hatch in June. I had the majority of my clutches hatch in July. And then I had a clutch hatch in August. And it's like, holy shit, it, it, it's time to get ready for the season. So it, if you spread out your baby hatching season, it, it goes by so fast. Like, so, so fast. So, yeah, man. 
Yeah, it does. I just lost my headphones. It just fell off my head. Wow, that was weird. Why did, but, how uh, did you do that? How did you do I, that? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> we'll keep. We'll. We'll. We're falling we'll push apart. Forward. We're falling apart. All right, yeah, keep going. Don't bring yeah. attention to it. Uh, keep moving forward. Yeah. So, uh, well, before we get into breeding and stuff, I just was curious. How was Ham? Did you went to Hamburg this past weekend, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, okay. Yep. How was it? I went to Ham- cool? I went to Hamburg. Oh, dude, it was. I I I don't more power to everybody who went there and vended because I walked around. <laughs> that hot. <laughs> oh my dude, I was like I like I was I was sweating through my shirt just walking around and I did one lap and went don't need to see anything else and then I left. Like I got my rodents and I left. Other guys like Eric Kohler, he was just there the whole day and you're just it's exhausting. Now um Justin, uh, who sells for Razor Sharp for Jamie, he, mm-hmm. his table was they, – they must have brought – I don't know where the hell they got these things, but they were these air conditioning units the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, and they parked them <laughs> in various corners of Hamburg, and Get Justin's table just – no I, no, I kid you not. Justin's table just happened to be like – right near one. So he's like, it's actually a pretty good day. I'm like, yeah, you should charge people to stand in front of your shit. But you know, it was disgusting. And the amount of people where there was not anything less. I mean, it was, it was hot as hell and the aisles were packed and there were people buying and there were people moving and there were people talking. So, you know, it's, obviously the the public will not be deterred by the heat. Um, I hate it. But other than that, other than that, um, it was a pretty cool show. Walking around, um, checking out a few different uh, snakes and stuff. Uh, I was looking at a whole bunch of colubrids, which uh, I talked to Dr. Warren Booth, or he sent me an email. He says, I do pronounce it correctly. It is colubrid. Um, so there that is. No kidding. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, yes. So wait, I finally got call you bread. Call you bread. Is that how you say it? Call you bread. Call you bread. Yep. Yep. Take that from the ground up. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, we got to start getting on those guys, man. I know We're we have to study. To with them. <laughs> I'll come over with flashcards. It's like the only way we have to can't yeah. lose, dude. Uh, Python. We'll get into that later. They still think jungles and coastals are different, man. They don't. They don't stand a chance. No schools. <laughs> don't they know? Uh, <laughs> call your breads. That may be a different story. I'm ahead. I that's where I have you, man. You know. We're the know. perfect team. We'll crush them. Don't worry. I, we got it. I you got it. It's fine. Watch we'll we'll question, and we're gonna be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They have life young. That's as far as I got. It's like, yeah. Uh, I mean, but uh, there was cool. Um, and they've got like stripes and they're kind of grayish. And I'm like, these are cool. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, these guys are on rodents. They start off on frogs. And I'm like, yeah. Like, why does everything on Madagascar eat frogs? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but there was some cool stuff. There was a bunch of tortoises, a bunch of other things like that. Um, dude, I just, I just walked around, checked out some stuff, um, and uh, and left. It was a quick in and out. I would have much I would have longer, talked to a few people, 
but it's just so goddamn hot. So yeah. uh, that, and I was I was headed up to the mountains um, later on that day, so it was going to have to be a quick in and out. But oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, dude. It was fun. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I didn't go to Hamburg, so yeah. I know you did. You, you, you never go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live through you. Especially the yeah. one in August, man. It's just too unbearable, no, man. Dude, There's just it, no way. That's the, I think that's the one that me and Zach vended with you, wasn't it? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made you go to August. It must have been. I no, swear it, it was August, June. man. And we were well, right dude, next August. to the rat table. <laughs> yeah, like, oh that's, my God. that's where I am. But um, <laughs> but dude, it it was it was it was bad, man. But um. There were a lot of cool animals there. I saw a nice wedge head came in. Um, mm-hmm. There was, uh, obviously, all the venomous are always gorgeous. Um, I didn't see any of the things that I really wanted, like the speckled Madagascan hogs. Um, I did mm-hmm. see some beautiful Mexican black king snakes. And, you know, I am so picky about Mexican black k- king snakes. Like, I had a gorgeous pair once upon a time uh, that I let go, and I've wanted them ever since, just because a jet black king snake is just gorgeous. So mm-hmm. those were goddamn tempting, but uh, because I'm going down to Florida for Daytona, all my money's kind of being held for that. Um, so hopefully, I don't get into too much trouble down there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. When that's what two weeks away? Two weeks away. Yeah, uh, I'm leaving. Next Wednesday, not tomorrow. We screwed that one up. Um, so, um, uh, and then I will be back uh, the following Monday. So I'll be spending Saturday and Sunday at the Daytona show. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. I'll walk around. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can track down Matt Minatola. I'll see if he actually says hi to me in public without you there. So, you know, he might it. just pretend not to know me. I know. I figured. Yeah, I doubt it. You know. <laughs> Who are you? You'll be like, what? You don't look what? the same. Where's where's your beard, man? I'm Owen. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Owen has a glorious red beard. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you must be Gosh, Irish. You, you are not Scottish. Get the hell out of yeah. here. Uh, now you're just hurting me on a personal level. So, um, <laughs> uh-huh. but, oh, uh, man. But actually, uh, I, I meant to talk to you before the show started. Zach uh, Baez dropped me a line, and he wants to come up here and get to work on the tank I got in my living room. So, uh, I'm oh, like, sweet. Cool. I'm like, I'll have Eric and Matt come up too. We'll make a freaking night out of it. So yeah, I will Hell let yeah. you know when that goes down. Yeah. So, but he's awesome. all about, he's like, he's like, get some nice wood. Get, he's like, if you're wandering around on a beach in Florida, you see some kick-ass driftwood, like grab it. I'm like, great. Can I take that on the plane with me? <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't <laughs> really know what to Shove it in a suitcase, so, man. They won't know. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. So that'll be cool. But that's man, why you drive cool. down there, man. You drive down. Oh, I'm sorry. Let car. me <laughs> let me let me know where your in laws live. I'll just drive and be like, Oh a friend of Eric's just drop this log mm-hmm. on their front and leave. Yeah. Yeah, they would let you stay. No problem. <laughs> They're cool like that. All right, cool. Um so. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's cool. I'm I'm a little jealous. I'm not gonna be able to head down um to Daytona, but uh all You're the going same. to Australia. Uh, shut up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. So, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was listening to, uh, I guess before we get into, man, Stop. you know, 
how do we how do I start this? Um, just go. Just I don't go know for if it. I want to open it. Open it. I, I, well, you know, I see I see these posts right, and yep. I see it on both sides. So it's not one side or the other, but it's like um, we put up these walls. Yeah, we put up these walls between us, man. And it's like, you know, we're arguing over on how to keep snakes, and and it's like. One group says it's this way. Another group says it's that way. And mm-hmm. it seems like, I don't know, like, it seems like nobody listens to anybody anymore. They're just so, I don't know, this whole social media thing, it just seems like it's just a place for people to just bitch. And it's it's almost not like reality, but it's like we put these, I mean, we can't even agree on caging anymore. It used to be that, you know, you'd have these little debates on maybe genetics or you know, you'd have a debate on whether this warrants subspecies or if it's pure or whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. But like, I mean, I don't know, man. We're now getting to the point where it's like, if you don't keep your snake in uh, the Amazon jungle in your room, then somehow <laughs> you're a bad keeper. Well, fuck well, that, man. That's exactly. Not true. It isn't. And you know, let me and put it this way. Between the two of us, we both kept snakes successfully in multiple different settings, multiple different habitats, right. whether it be in drawers, bins, cages, tanks. Um, yeah. So, I, I, no. <laughs> the problem is, this is the problem, is that there's some people that, you know, like, if we yeah. didn't do this podcast, I wouldn't be online. I wouldn't be dealing Damn with right. this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be dealing with Facebook because yeah. I can't stand it. I don't even pay attention. You know, God it's just damn like, it, oh, you man, makes it's this be, you know, relevant and, and, and talk to people. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always like, um, there's always two sides to the story. Sometimes you can't get people what, how they're trying to portray what they're trying to say. And sometimes it comes across wrong and whatnot, but it just seems mm-hmm. like, you know, whether it's on Facebook or podcast or whatever, it's just like over and over and over with the same, you know, if you keep it like this, you're wrong. If you keep it like this, you're wrong. What I mean, like, I was listening to, I always say this, I was listening to Rogan, right? And he was talking about that there was this guy, I can't remember who he was, but he's a vegan, right? And he's like, mm. he's talking about, like, you know, he's talking about vegans and, like, you're trying to win people over, right? So somebody, I think there was some kind of post or something that uh, Beyonce, some, some star said that they were vegan, but they were wearing leather. So the so the vegan was like, oh well, they're still wearing leather. Well, goddamn it, doesn't anything count? Like, doesn't even like a little bit count? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just say, hmm, all right, we're on the right direction. Maybe I could get them. Like, you don't win people over by being an asshole. You know? I, I don't know. It just it just seems silly to me, man. It's just goofy. Well, no, like here's the thing. No, here's the thing. It's like, um. As long as the animal is healthy and well maintained, and you can keep it any way you fucking want, you know, I have right now. I have a Macklons python in a cage. I have a Macklons uh-huh. python in a forty-one quart on dirt, and then I have a Macklons python <laughs> in a fifteen quart on newspaper. So Are you I have. <laughs> And you're trying no, to find the right way? Be, no, it just Are you just to be trying to please way. everybody? 
I'm trying You're to get trying to leave play. me alone. Yeah, no. So what I'm trying to do. It just happened to be how it went. Glitch has always been in the four foot cage. Um, right. The new baby uh, Mac grew out of her five court, the six court bin, and moved to the fifteen. And then the newest one was so freaking shy and jumpy, I set her up on a naturalistic setup so I could leave her the hell alone. Now she's coming out of her shell. She's moving all over the place. She's hitting everything that breathes, that moves. And I'm just lazy and don't want to put her on paper. So that's why we're doing it. But all three of them are eating happy, healthy. There we go. There's like three. Right there are three ways to skin that cat. Yeah. You know, and I would never tell somebody how to do it. And and let's, and I'm going to be honest and straight. I mean, if I keep animals in racks, the reality is, is that you're keeping, you know, when you're breeding, and you're trying to hold animals back and whatever, the idea is is that you're going to fit more animals in less space, right? I mean, yes. that's just the reality of what it is, right? Um, however, the, you know, and you can get all kinds of size of tubs, you know. You can yes. get tubs that, you know, are, are taller. You can get tubs that are small. I mean, you know, <clears throat> Chondro guys, they turn the tubs over on the side and they put a glass front on it. And, you know, yeah, so this whole idea that, it has to be in this like enormous cage. It's just like, you know, I, that's cool if you're keeping it as a pet. And if that's what you want to do, man, then go for it. Knock I'm not out, yeah. knocking that at all. I mean, I would no. love, I, I would be, I'm, I'm going to be honest here too. Like, I think if I walk into my reptile room, would I like to mm. see animals in cages? Hell yeah. You know, but like I go back to, you know, um, you know, the thinking of when, you know, I had a helmet hair, when I had, you know, when I keep in scrubs or whatever and animals that require a certain amount of humidity and whatnot, I just found it easier to keep that animal in a tub. Is it the best, uh, you know, situation? I don't know. I don't know. You can't show me one way or the other scientific, you know, proof that I, you know, I, I, I guess if you had there's certain animals that, yeah, you probably should not keep. Like, I don't think you should keep an animal like an indigo in a 41 coat rack just because they're yeah. super active. Right. And you see, you read yeah. something like the scientific, scientific papers and stuff and the distance that they travel and whatnot and all that stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> Warren sending us pictures of uh, snakes and cages. Um, but like, hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, it just seems like to me, it's a debate that, you know, Doesn't I can see both happen. sides of it. Yeah. Cool diamond. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention. It, it just seems like it's just <laughs> dividing us more and more than it is, yeah. you know, bringing us together. Like if you wanted to somehow convince me that, you know, keeping in a case, like you don't even have to convince me. I mean, obviously if you're going to keep in a four foot by you know, is a carpet python going to use it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Probably. Well, I mean, well. I've had some no, carpet python adults that animal. perch, and I have other ones yeah. that won't. Exactly. You know? It also depends on the animal. I can give them many. I can sure. give tons of perches. They'll. Some of them will just stare at it, and be like, "The hell is that?" Like, so it also <laughs> depends on that. But it's also your conscious effort. At, you make the decision because it's your reptile room, and nobody can tell you what to do. You know, I have a mixture of racks and cages. Because I wanted to. If I really thought about it, and I I could fit way more racks in my room than I could if I got rid of my cages, tons of them. 
but yeah. I like my cages. Also, it helps limit me. Like I can't fill up the room because I only have so many cages. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying <clears throat> like um, and you know this is something that I'm thinking about too. Like you know with these larger snakes, like what size of these yeah. enclosures have to be? I mean, yeah, I don't know, ten foot cage, eight foot cage. Yep. Depends. I mean, technically, it's supposed to be about half the length of the animal, long, lengthwise. Holy shit! I, don't have, I hope I hope I don't have a twenty foot. <laughs> With a minimum requirement, yeah, minimum. Yeah. That's a minimum. Well, I, so now I don't stick to the minimum, but you got to think about it. Like I have two, I have two seven foot olives, and they're and they're in six foot cages, and. Mm-hmm. You know, at any moment, half of them could be at one side and the other half could be at the other. And, I mean, they use the space. They use all of it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the white lips. They're a little bit smaller. And they're four-footers. When they're separated, when they're together, they have to go to a six-footer. Because you can also not just think about your your animals separately. Because if you're going to breed them, you need to think, make sure you have cages that accommodate both of them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to be a cluster i mean that's why if we remember when we went to like nerd the whole wall is a cage and they just put in the divider where they feel like they put in the divider so yeah no it's pretty crazy how big those cages were exactly you know, you know and at one, yeah. one point they could turn a cage yeah. they could turn uh those cages from like three six footers into one like you know 12 footer you know and, and just by pulling out a slot so if i were you my friend I would almost try to replicate that if you're going to build your own cages for your big shit, like your Afrox and your berms and your retics. So, but that's yeah. just me. I don't, yeah, I think I'm going to have to build it for sure. I don't think it's going to be something mm-hmm. you can buy. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I'm not sure, but. Well, I mean, I, it, it, you probably could buy it, but let me put it this way. For the same amount of money I would have spent on a six foot cage, one six mm-hmm. foot cage. You made um, four. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I got the materials and I made like three. So mm. don't, don't, I would not, dude. There's, uh, I, I think if you have enough savvy and you have enough tools and you got enough friends, you can get it done. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, <clears throat> and that, uh, that sort of uh, will lead us in a little bit into the breeding thing. You know, I, well, l- let me just finish off the thought is just, go ahead. you know, I mean, yeah. you see over, over in Europe, they're like putting regulations in as far as like that, you know, animals have to be in a certain size cage and whatnot. I mean, yeah, is that out of realm of possibility that that might happen in the U.S.? But it just seems nope. to me like if that's what we're arguing about and that's what we're fighting mm-hmm. about then I don't know. It just gives it more, more, I don't know. It just gives people more reason to latch on to why we shouldn't keep these things in captivity and, you know, uh, gives more ammunition to, uh, you know, the animal rights people and whatnot. And, you know, the argument can be made that, you know, keeping them in racks and whatnot, you know, that maybe that's does the same. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't, but I don't think that you win somebody over by, it just seems to me, maybe in a nutshell, it's just this. Rather than trying to knock somebody down, just try to build somebody up, man. Just don't don't, mm. don't be all negative all the time about, you know, you're you don't keep right and I do. It's just you come across as an elitist type of thing, and it's I don't know, it's just just a bad vibe, in my in my opinion. But 
Yeah. I guess sometimes yeah. we all come across like that. A little bit of ego, right? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, that's the thing is, is that you can disagree with somebody and you can not like how they keep or they don't keep a way that you technically they, – they, if they don't do it the way you would, doesn't necessarily mean that their way is wrong. It's just different. So whatever. Honestly – have you mm. ever cared about the way that somebody else kept animals, their animals? I'm glad I've you never brought cared. it up. I'm glad you brought it up. I don't give I a shit. hate the fact that you have unprinted butcher's paper in all your cages. <laughs> just, I don't believe uh, it is safe. I knew something was and, bothering you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, I, I've been quiet for far too long. So, no, yeah. I, no I've never no. gone, I've never actually met somebody not only put it this way, I, when it comes to snakes, I've never actually met somebody that I would be like, well, you're keeping it incorrectly or wrong or that's dumb. Nope. I would say, uh, well, maybe if they ask my opinion, I would say, well, if you're having some trouble, like say if they ever asked me, like, well, it's not eating. I'd be like, well, maybe try this. Maybe try that. Maybe try getting it out of the tank. Maybe try covering up the tank. That kind of stuff. But with a lizard, I would say that I've seen a lot of people that might do something that I would consider inappropriate for the health of the animal um well that's a different situation but exactly even that, like i'm not going on facebook and saying this guy's an asshole cause right keep, like I, hey man <laughs> that's whatever that's not my fight <laughs> you know exactly you know i don't agree that the guy with the alligator in his basement living in the baby pool has it but <laughs> i'm not gonna go I'm really not going to go make a post about it because I don't want to deal. And he knows he's I mean, wrong. If, it's like, listen, man, if we're, being, if we're being honest, if we're being honest, you can't mm-hmm. tell me that in all of your reptile and career and everybody that's yes. listening out there that you've never kept something wrong or something hasn't died because you kept it wrong or you thought you could yeah. keep this and you, and you couldn't and it died. Oh, and that's, or, and the other thing is that it's also a maturity thing and what you have access to and what you can do I mean, dude, my room in college was not a room. It was a closet. And what I had was stacks of sweater boxes with the heat tape snaked between them. It's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh, man. <laughs> like, you know, that's what it was. And That's like a Craigslist ad. Shut up. All right. I know it was bad. All right. I'm not. I'm admitting to it. But yes. that's what but that's, it yeah. was. And then after I graduated, I I got a room and I started being able to build a rack because I wasn't trying to hide them from everybody on their brother. So that's how we started going. And then you got access to cages. Then, you know, some people and also you got to understand is that you you can kind of grow with what you have access to. And it, it might take a while. You know, I went and spent a ridiculous amount of money on my cages and my heat panels on my computer systems in one fell swoop. And mm-hmm. nobody should ever feel that they have to do that. You know, you keep the way you think you should keep. If you're going to build your own drawer rack system and it keeps your animals happy and healthy and alive, then whatever, that's fine. In my opinion, you, you have nothing to, to, no need to explain to anything to anybody. So, yeah. yeah. I, so, Okay, now that we got that out of the way. Um, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to give a real quick shout out to um, uh, Don Patterson um, because I don't know. I shared it over on our Facebook page, 
but he hatched out some ring pythons today. Yes. Today? Yeah. Yeah. I and there's that. one. It seems like that's popping up every once in a while, like that reduced black, and it's like almost just solid orange, and it's almost like a tiger jag type of pattern, but in a ring they, python. They used to call them aberrant, but mm-hmm. they didn't look like that because I had an aberrant and I had a normal. Mm-hmm. And mine just looked like it was like striped a little bit, or like you wouldn't mm-hmm. think about an aberrant like king snake. These things are starting to get like, like where the hell's the black? It, it almost looks like an orange blackhead. Like you know, it's they're getting really really cool. Um, and I really regret not having rings right now, but I'm gonna be patient. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, give me a couple years. I know. <laughs> and then the uh, <clears throat> the other one that uh, I, I mean, I think we hit on this last week, but they shed out is that silver sabus. Uh, they look crazy, man. Uh, <laughs> they look really cool. <laughs> you know, I said silver sabus are like Angolans pythons. I've said so many bad things about them that now I actually <laughs> want them, and I'm not sure if I can backpedal enough. You uh, know, you can. it's. Okay, good. Because I'm yeah. like, why would I want a, a snake that's going to turn black? But I'm like, but if you get it right, and that's the weird thing about Savus, it's like they do have the potential of turning all black, but mm-hmm. most of them retain some orange on them. Mm-hmm. So I would love a silver Savu that retained a good amount of silver. I mean, that I think would be killer, which oh, yeah. is a shame for my wallet. But it's <laughs> just, they're so damn pretty. Um, yeah. So yeah, dude, he, those are awesome. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that, that were some cool things. And then uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Nick hatched out some rough scales today. So that was pretty yes. cool. Yes, I, I knew about them a couple of days ago. Um, but, oh. uh, yeah, they are, um, uh, was... I think it's like his third or fourth time breeding roughies. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. And, uh, I love, I love baby roughies. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm mad that I don't have baby roughies anymore. Mine are, <laughs> mine, mine are on like rats now. <laughs> it's like, right. you know, you guys are so cute with your big eyes and now you're just horrible monsters that hide in the dark waiting for the rat. And so, you know, it's, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I love it. And I also love that it's like uh, every time I see Nick have success and people are like, and then people contact me and they're like, should I go and contact Nick about these roughies? I'm like, do it. Definitely do it. And it's like a uh, little, in, I'm like, cause I know the father. Cause like that was one of my boys. So please go, you know, buy, buy Romulus's babies, run around with those. I, that, I find that really cool. So yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so, okay. Um, I guess we'll get into, uh, you know, some breeding talk and whatnot. I think I would say this, that, you know, the advantage to having cages when Mm -hmm. you're breeding is that you Mm -hmm. can actually see what the animals Mm -hmm. are doing. (laughs) So so that is a huge advantage, you know. You're locked and you're locked and then I leave the room. You have to gently pull drawers open and hope that you don't disturb them enough. Yeah, which which is which can be difficult, but um, yep. you know, again, I guess once you get that rhythm of your room and how it works, you you know, just like anything, yeah, uh, you you start to learn how how that goes. Um, so, you know, 
really for me, breeding season starts right about uh, now. right about now, the end of July, yeah. <laughs> beginning of August. I start. Okay. I, I increase the food. Um, I go from maybe feeding once a month to feeding every week. Maybe sometimes I feed a bit. Like if I look at the female, and I notice that, for instance, if she had a clutch the year before, um, what I might do is I might uh, offer her food maybe twice a week or every eight days or you know yeah like every eight not maybe ten days something like that. Uh, what there's really what size food are you offering? Are you offering her normal food, something a little bit bigger, or are you offering smaller meals? So what I might do um, mm. is I would do uh, in that first meal, I would do a medium rat. That second meal, I might do a small rat. Um, okay. uh, I don't really go bigger than that. I mean, there have been times where I've wanted to make sure that that feet like I've done this with the exanic girl because I couldn't get her mm-hmm. to go. I did this with my zebra granite. That's why they're so big. Um I offered them uh, smaller rabbits, you know, like bigger than uh, what? <laughs> yeah, not like big berm rabbits, not like that kind of thing. But... <laughs> yeah, well, I figured you were trying to squeeze a ten pound no. into their freaking tub, eat it. No. <laughs> it's like no, that's <laughs> so. So yeah, I mean, like right now, um, that's really what I focus on. Um, I focus on making sure that my light cycle is uh, twelve on, twelve off. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just really hit the food. I just again right. just you going through. Light cycle. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I kind of mess with all that stuff. I don't know if it affects it or not, but I mean, I, I think I think the most important thing you can do is figure out food. what makes you successful and continue mm-hmm. to do it. You're correct. Continue to do that thing. Like if you have right. success, you know, maybe you want to have a, a pairing that you want to experiment with. All right, fine. Then experiment with it. But for the most part, I mean, if you want to have continued success, especially, you know, and I don't have any room to really talk on this because I haven't bred them yet. But like, you know, uh, the more difficult species like scrubs and stuff like that, I think it really just comes down to being consistent, you know, consistent all their life and just going with that and, and, and working them through that. And I think the thing that 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 sometimes people get into trouble with is that they change, you know, they do it a certain way when they're this size and they do it a different way when they're that size. And then when all of a sudden they become three years old, then they start pounding them with food. And, you know, and then the other Hmm. thing, the other thing that I would say is, you know, you Oh shit! I just totally lost my train of thought. Not the good. Gone now. (laughs) Not good to do when you're doing a podcast. No, no, not really. Especially with an audio medium like this. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. Um, God damn it. (laughs) uh, But I think I think I think it's just about being consistent and making sure that you're doing the same thing and just paying attention to your snakes. So like right now, like I said, I'm just feeding, feeding, feeding. Like, I don't uh, What's your approach? Well, mine's a little bit different than you because you and I have different um, feed regimens. Like you're talking like yeah. feeding once a month. I definitely yep. feed more than that. I feed at least two or three times a month for my large adults. And then everybody else gets fed every 10 days. So, okay. you know, 
that's really how it goes. So, I mean, and I'll say this that, you know, I said, like, I, I feed my adults two or three times a month, but it's like, I think it's two, two times. And then maybe a male gets once is really how it goes for the adults mm-hmm. for anything smaller. They get a, a 10 days, 10 days, 10 days, 10 days. And that includes animals that have not yet gotten that are not proven. So young, young animals coming up, young animals that are going to be pr- trying to breed this season. So every 10 days, um, when it comes to August and it comes time to get ready to roll, I will probably start trying to increase the food size. Um, but this past year, dude, I've been getting raked over the coals with uh, uh, rodent prices. So mm-hmm. I've had to literally kind of slow down my feeding a little bit. Um, or what I've had to do is not necessarily feed the sizes that I want, but feed more often. Um and it's tough. I mean, there might, I'm on the fence about one of my girls that will probably maybe have to set out this year because she had a clutch this year and I'm not really that too comfortable at her where she's bouncing back from. And that'll be the first time that's ever happened. So but, well, I was, yeah, I was going to ask that. Like, no, I've, I've never decide? had, well, I like to look at them and this is the problem is that my thinking is kind of shifted because it used to be, Oh, if they got a couple extra, you know, if they're really beefy, I'll breed them because then I know they can handle <clears throat> breeding season. But then I find out that the beefy ones really just don't want to breed. Um, and also, <laughs> it's really hard to tell if one of them gets gravid because I'm like, are you beefy or are there eggs? So it's it's almost like now with my slimmer females, I know when they're gravid. I see it. It's huge and all this other stuff. And I've also gotten more into the thing where I used to be, I would shut down feeding in October. And mm-hmm. then I would not start feeding again until like they had their eggs in May. I've gotten to more of the thing of I'll shut down feeding in like November. I'll do light feeding through October, shut it down for November. Then they have all of November to empty out. December is really when I start messing with the temperatures, December, January, maybe a little bit into February, bring mm-hmm. them back up in February and then feed them small meals at the end of February, early March, while I'm putting them together. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take as much as a toll on my females that it used to. So that's something else that I've changed. And a lot of this is from listening to you and all the other guests that we've had come on the podcast. And, you know, I used to, I guess when I first came through, because um, I started with Call Your Birds, it was the thinking of that winter is going to suck and winter's going to be a little harsh, but they'll come out the other end and they'll be breeding. That mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be what happens to get them to breed. So I've kind of eased up on a lot of that um, through my breeding season. I've actually gotten a lot more animals, more females to breed. I've gotten, they're not as, my animals are not as big as they used to be. And I'm not getting the same clutch sizes that I used to be, but I'm getting more clutches from different pairings. So I think it kind of evens out. Yeah. And, you know, the way I kind of judge my success too is like, you know, how many slugs that I have, how many actually hatched compared to what was laid, you know, those kind of things is kind of where I sort of judge whether or not that female had enough you know, on her weight on her or whatever to, uh, you know, 
to breed successfully. I don't, I, I kind of keep, I don't know how to explain it, but you kind of like, I think with the, with the formula that I have, the females sort of put on a little bit of weight, mm-hmm. but just enough not to where they're overweight, but you know, you can tell that they've, you know, that they've packed on some size. The thing right. that it is, is like for me, you know, sometimes I'm doing maternal incubation. I mean, those are things that I'm thinking about now, because if you're going to get a female that's going to go maternal incubation, I might even bump yeah, that food up a little more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Try to get that weight. Um, well, again, I don't weigh that's them. where we differ. I mean, again, that's where we differ. I never do maternal incubation. So yeah. maybe my goal for weight is less than yours. So that's something yeah. else you... Anybody who's prepping needs to think about this. You need to have a plan in place of what you're going to do every step through breeding season and then prepare your animals accordingly. Because if this is how you start running into trouble, you know, if you don't have it planned, if you think that, oh, she's just, she's almost slightly there. And then you get excited about eggs and decide you're going to keep, let her maternal incubate. By the time she's done and those eggs hatch, she might look like death. I mean, like they that's look like something. Them, yeah. yeah and that's bad, something you got to think about. And if you want that animal, let's say you, I have to make the decision. If I want an animal to breed next season, I have to start preparing her. I have to start making sure everything's on the thing. Just like everything's already, just like how I have to start figuring out which males I'm going to use because if they got to put on a little bit of size, they got to do it now so that they're ready by the time March rolls around. Yeah. I mean, so do you do anything different for your males to try to get them to pack on some size? Nah, nah. I, the worst, the worst possible thing a male could do here is become a proven male. Cause then I'm like, congratulations, whatever you, whatever you just ate will be the rest of the food for the rest of your life. Cause like, I don't need you to get any bigger. It's like this, you're done. Right. You know, uh, I bought a pair of Xanax from Jamie Carnes. Uh, I think it was late last year. I think around this time last year, I got them and I had the, I had them and they were younger pair of 2004. They were a pair of 2014s. They were smaller then the Xanic male that I already had from 2014. So I'm like, all right, girl is definitely going to have to sit out a year or two. The male is going to be tricky. I didn't push him too far, but I threw him in with girls that were on the smaller side and he bred to the tiger female that I got from you. So Hmm. now I'm like done dude. So maybe he's put on a little bit of weight just because he's a boy and he didn't have to deal with like eggs and stuff like that. But he, he, he's not getting any bigger than he's on small rats, dude. He's not getting anything bigger. He's fine. He did yeah, what I needed him my, to do. Yeah, most of my males, they're all small rats. That's kind of how I go with that. Yeah, um, I, it's just how it is. And then some of my girls are on medium rats, and then I still have some lingering monsters that are on XLs. You know, but those dude, those are they're they're eventually they will shuffle off the mortal coil and. Uh, I'll never have carpets as big as them again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what um, happened? We can yeah, that yeah, right. Next to, next to old Owen, Jesus. Uh-huh, right. Um, yeah, I mean, for males, I you know, like I said, I kind of, I want to say, 
maybe yeah i think i still feed them about once a month maybe yeah you know maybe every two weeks it really depends i mean if it's a male that i'm trying to get up to size i feed every week i've done that you know but now's when i would start to do that i probably probably if there was a male that i was trying to get up to size for next breeding season i would probably say that um I would probably start maybe in June, June. You know what I mean? Try to yeah. get that up to a size. You need a couple sheds. I mean, but and here's the other thing yeah. is that sometimes that male will surprise you. So don't ever count a boy out. I mean, like that's just going to be how it goes. I have this exanic jag that he's so close and he's on medium rats. Um, he's uh, he's living in a 32, and I think he's right on that edge. And I'm going to give him a shot this coming season with my caramel head exanic. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's just, it, and it's weird because you sit down and you think about it, that there are animals that you're getting prepped that, like, some of these guys that you're getting prepped for breeding, this has been four years running, you know. This, mm-hmm. is, this is finally, like, you know, that, that caramel head exanic has been four years in the making, you know, here we go. Um, right. As well as a bunch of other animals. So it, it's, it's cool to think about. Um, it's also nerve wracking, <laughs> <laughs> but this is, uh, <clears throat> this is why I say that it's always uh, a good idea to sort of have, you know, plans change, you know, things mm-hmm. change and, and situations change, you know, you might have an animal you thought was male, turns out to be a female, vice versa, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, you're pairing, uh, they, for whatever reason, they're not compatible. I, you see that sometimes, right. but not, not a whole lot. Um, you know, for whatever reason, even... everything, yeah, everything I mean... is right. But for whatever reason, she doesn't breed. I mean, look at me with that exanic. I'm, Jesus, I bought her trying, in 2011. And <laughs> 2011, and now it's 2018. She finally bred. Know. You know, it's like, oh my god. But uh, well, and you got to learn to roll with those punches. I mean, you and I have talked numerous times where uh, I had to pull a pair because one of them started wheezing and blowing bubbles, and it's like, all right, well, you, you two aren't getting along, and it's stressing you guys out, and you're staying away from the heat. And now we've got an RI. And you have to pull them apart, and then a couple of weeks later, everybody's fine. But because you had to pull them apart, you know, of course, she cycles while she's, like, wheezing. And it's, like, great. So it's one of those things that you do have to deal in. You know, sometimes you don't get the eggs. Sometimes she, you do everything right, and, you know, the eggs all come out infertile. Oh, my Wilma's this year. I got lock after lock after lock. I got spurring all over the place. I got eggs. They all went bad. It just Mm -hmm. happens, and you have to deal. sucks, but that's why it's always good to have a backup plan. And always, you know, as much as we say that you should have a plan, your plan should always be fluid. You know, you should always be like, if this male isn't going to work, and I do want eggs out of female, I better have somebody waiting in the wings, or I better be able to throw – this boy in there or be all right with the fact that I might have to wait a year. So mm-hmm. the worst thing I think you could possibly do is panic and try to either do too much or try to do something like run out and buy the first male you see and throw him in with your female 
because you want to save eggs for the season. I mean, that's where I think we see a lot of people get in trouble is because they're trying to save the season and they run out and they buy something and bring it home and forego the whole quarantine thing and throw that animal downstairs with their animals to try to save the season. And yeah, I, I've i never had success. I've never had success with, I mean, you, I had your bread lie here last year. Yeah. You know, and whether it just, she wasn't here soon enough, she didn't, you know, get acclimated to, you know, my room or whatever. I couldn't get her to breed, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, it's always a bad idea to, in my opinion, to, uh, to get an adult and just try to plug it into your breeding season, especially now. Like if you're going to do that, you should get that now for the, for 2020, not 2019, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of deal. Well, I mean, what is it? I got this stone wash from you in June mm-hmm. and I'm going to give him a shot, but I don't really expect much out of him. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just going to be one of those things where it's like, uh, I, 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 I've had more success from animals that have been here for almost a year before they breed. Like the, mm-hmm. the tiger female I got from you was a fluke. Like I was not expecting her to drop eggs and she did. And I'm like, oh shit! Yeah. So that is probably the first time that's ever worked. So yeah, it's not that it won't ever happen. It's just that it's rare that it, rare. in my experience, that that it would happen. But um, well, they in, well here's the thing: they need to know what, how your room functions. Now, you might be able to trigger them by doing something that where they were previously used to do. So, mm-hmm. and, and I can't even tell you what the hell that was with that tiger female. I may have taking food away at the right amount of time or that cage might've hit the right temperature that you used to do. I mean, doesn't matter. It worked, but who's to say it might not work this year. I don't know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things, man. Like, you know, like I said, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you're, you're, you're almost better off getting an animal, raising it up and, you know, that's been my experience. You know, you've hear, you yeah. hear people talk about it. There's other people, man, that, you know, they get an animal and they breed it. I think it's easier with males than it is with yes. females. You know, well, the thing is they want to breed. The animals yes. want to breed that they're programmed to do it. You know, it's just making sure that they understand the, you know, that now's it's okay. The to, now's the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I talked about this on the ground up where it's like, I, I could spend, seven years trying to breed a pair of wild caught black face white lip and sit there and be like, I don't know why they're not breeding. Or I can spend the money, grab a pair of babies and raise them up for seven years and then try breeding them. It's like the same mm-hmm. amount of times going by. It's just who's giving me the best chance of eggs. And I want to lean towards more the babies that you grow up. I mean, I have uh, the trio of Madagascan gold hogs and mm-hmm. I'm trying to breed them, but to be honest, I think my best bet on getting the Madagascans to breed are going to be the babies that I raised up. So, uh, the, um, giants. Now, here's but a question the, for you. Has yeah. your experience, is it different when you're breeding colubrids? <laughs> yes. Does it change? I'm, it, they're so much easier. <laughs> it's like, uh, 
the problem is that I treat my colubrids like I treat my my bread lie, where it's like, or or the the colubrids now get the bread lie treatment. It used to be when I was at the zoo or when I was in college, you literally put them in a bin with some fresh water on like the concrete floor and you threw a bunch of heavy blankets on it and you checked on their water and you left them alone. And then when springtime came, you pulled them out, you put them together and you bred them. Uh, now I have that rack in that side room off to the, away from my snake room. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll pair up the male corn snakes with the females that they're breeding this season, as well as, you know, this coming season, I'm going to have to do it with the blue beauties and with the uh, pine snakes. Uh, and then I put actual the bread lie in the bottom two 41 quart bins uh, separately. And then what I do is during the nighttime, they drop to about 60 degrees. It's gradual over a couple weeks, but eventually they go to 60 degrees. And then during the day, they get up to close to... Uh, I think the high 70s. Um, I think 78 is where I had it. And mm -hmm. then they drop back down at nighttime. So that's what happens with them. And I won't feed the colubrids through brumation. I also won't feed the bread lie. Uh, once we start getting into, say, late February, I'll stop. I'll start making it that it doesn't go all the way down to 60. It'll make it a little bit warmer, a little bit warmer, a little bit warmer. Then I'll pull the bread lie out of the rack and I'll put them in back into the snake room and I'll feed them and then I'll put them together. And that's usually when I start seeing locks from the bread lie. For the corn snakes, what I'll actually do is after the bread lie leave, I got two open bins. I'll mm -hmm. pull the males for like a night and put them back in. And it's like they've never seen the females that they've been living with for like four months. So like, and that's when I start seeing a ton of action from them. Uh, and then maybe I'll start feeding the corn snakes, especially the girls, uh, because eggs for corn snakes tend to take a little bit out of them. So especially if they do like my one corn snake did and just decide to have two clutches in a year. Um, so, and that's something else you got to think about with colubrids. If you're going to double clutch, uh, that female better have a ton of extra weight on her. Otherwise you'll be like, good. You'll be like, I was this year. I had a snow corn snake leg clutch. And then I was feeding her, and I'm like, she's putting on size fantastic. She's going to be great. She's going to be ready to go for next year. And then she laid another clutch, and I'm like, crap. And I'm like, back at square one. And it's like, but I'm back at square one at the end of July. And I'm like, you suck. And I'm like, I didn't want you to double clutch, and I didn't have the male in with her. She just decided to do this. So uh, now I may actually end up having to sit her next year because it all depends on how much weight she gains by uh, breeding time next year. So hmm. okay. a whole new dynamic, you know, but that's what I do with them. And to be honest, it's what I'm thinking about doing with certain other types of uh, pythons. Like uh, I, I, I might want to be very mean to my white lips this year. So <laughs> yeah. Um, no heat for you. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of like the idea about how – so, for me, I, I sort of have a I, I sort of have a pre-programmed plan and of what I'm right. going to do. Um, 
you know, what's the next step? I'm already a couple years in advance, um, you know, um, looking into the future, but I can't tell you that, that those plans have always sort of changed, you know, I mean, it's good to have that foundation, but then all of a sudden, you know, something changes, uh, for yeah. various reasons. And then, you know, uh, I gotta, I gotta switch it up, which is why I sort of always, you know, have some kind of backup plan. Well, if this doesn't work, I can breed this and, and get a, get it the same type of way. Um, you know, so there's always that. Um, and in terms of, you know, how, how do I pick like that? You know, the other thing, like I said earlier was maternal incubation. So I'm Mm. thinking about, you know, if I'm going to do maternal incubation, I kind of know that ahead of time. And I kind of watch that female to see like what she's looking at and how she's, how she's progressing. If she's really progressing good, um, then I might go for it. And I have to remember that the following year, I'm probably not going to be breeding her. She's going to be sitting out, you know? Um, right. And, and those are things that, you know, that I, that I keep in mind, you know, cause it, it's very, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's, it's difficult. There are people that do it, but it's difficult to get those females up to, to up to that size that I feel comfortable um, yeah. that doesn't mean, like I said, that you can't do it, but for what works with, for me and my routine and everything, it's, it's really kind of, you know, I think it would be, it would be difficult. I don't know. I would, I guess, I guess I would feel bad, you know, because if they're breeding yeah. in the wild, you would think almost like maybe every two years you're going to see. Well, uh, and that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with sitting a female for a year. I mean, there's nothing wrong. And actually, if you think mm. about it, it's it's better for you down the road. I mean, I I had a I would have a clutch of thirty and at a Trinity, and I'm like I'm going to breed her again. And I the only reason I was able to make it work is I wouldn't breed her to the same male, so I'd get thirty something different because I still had her mm. babies from last year kicking around. But if you're just gotcha. going to keep repeating the pairing, you know, give the girl a year off because it'll help pay off on the back end because you're going to be able to breed her again. She's going to have a bigger clutch after the year off. She's going to have a healthier clutch the year off. I mean, dude, I, I've taken my bread lie has taken two years off because I couldn't figure out how to breed her again. And the babies this year are bigger and fatter and more lively than the baby she had the last time I bred her. So done, dude. I mean, it, 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 it would, it definitely pays off to give the animal a year or so off. It's not a bad thing. So, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I don't, uh, I would rec- <clears throat> well, I mean, I would recommend to err on the side of caution. You know, if you're on the fence about a female sitter, don't force it. Cause that's when problems happen. It's when egg mm-hmm. binding. That's when, you know, she gets an RI. That's when this happens, that happens. So, if you're on the fence, sit her. Yeah. If you're on the fence about a boy, test him because boys can take punishment. And also, you right. know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to a boy is he's going to be in the cage running around for his goddamn life until you take him out of there. I mean, that's, yeah. So boys, I say, if you're on the fence, test it. If it's a girl, sit it. So there you go. So boy, boy, boys, I kind of, you know, I'll look at them and I've bred males as small as 500 grams. I've, yeah. but probably 900 is like where they usually sit. I, would I don't say. pay mine, dude. 
I don't wait. I don't. I really don't. I haven't and, either. I sort of like yeah. got an eye for it now, so I'm just guessing. I probably put I, them on I the scale. I never have seven hundred. <laughs> exactly. <It's> like I, <laughs> yeah. I never have. So people are like, how many grams? I don't know. Two pounds. And they're like, what? What's that? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like it's. Yeah. I, I've never done that. It's just when I feel they're ready. It. it I, I think they're ready. If they're not ready, I don't think they're ready. And that's just kind of how it does. And I mean, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, you're ready. You're ready. And I'll put him in with the female and I'll see him with her. And I'm like, you're not ready. Get out of here. Like, and then you got to pull them <laughs> out. Like, so that's, so sometimes it's a game time decision. So it's, uh, and that's happened before too. And mm-hmm. also sometimes like I tried to breed my caramel to the Xanic three years ago. Uh, when mm-hmm. they both turned four, when, when, when she turned four and he turned two, I tried to breed them and nothing happened. And then last year I tried to breed them again and got the first clutch that was really crappy and didn't have any, had a lot of slugs and only had about four that went the distance. So all that tells me is, is that she was ready. He was still a little too, a little too green this year. I got 13 perfect eggs, 13 perfect babies. So, you know, it's like, all right, here we go. Finally, he's become, and I would tell you that in between last year and this year, he has a way more mature Python look and feel to him, especially around his head. So mm-hmm. I would say that that's just sometimes how it goes, where you can always test the waters that way too. But, you know, understand that sometimes it might take a little bit t- more time for them to mature. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, in terms of health, weight, when they last bred, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So we start dropping temps. Me and you, pretty much the same thing. For whatever reason, I guess it's global warming, whatever you want to call it, or <laughs> climate change. Dro- or... I used to drop temps in November, and now that's yeah. Cool. So it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and it's like... <laughs> It's like 80 degrees, degrees on Christmas. On Christmas. It yeah. makes it difficult. <laughs> yeah. So, so now yeah. to stay consistent, I I just I, I don't start dropping temps until November. And, you know, you'll yep. hear a lot of times that people say that they don't do anything, they don't drop temps, and you know, to a certain extent, I guess that's might be accurate. But I've said this before on the show, and you don't even realize that you are dropping temps. And I bet you you're dropping temps in your room because if it's if it's 30 degrees outside, you know, it, your room's going to be colder. <laughs> it's yeah. just, a fact. I mean, like, hey, it may be crazy. only a little bit colder, but it's going to be a little bit colder. Weather you know? affects your house. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yes. So it's it it's the thing is, is that I would recommend people to, you know, wait. Um, a lot of people are like, I started cooling. Have you? And I'm like, nah. They're like, why not? I'm like, because I looked at the weather, and next week it's going to start really going down. So why start cooling now when it's like 60s when next week it's going to be like 40s? So I'm going to start doing that. I would say ride the – it's easier for us in the Northeast because we just ride the wave that is winter and kind of have it help us. You know, it's And it's always with that is the when do you make sure your boys and girls are put together? Like what what – what has to happen for you to, to like run downstairs to make sure everybody's paired? It's, you know, you, you, you look at the TV and it says massive snowstorm coming, right? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. 
I talked about this when I was on uh, Corrales Radio. I mean, that's just a that's that's just a no brainer. I mean, that's the lucky <laughs> thing about living in the Northeast. I mean, it sucks when you got to drive to work and the shit, but you know, it's awesome for for breeding snakes. You know. Yeah. It's like they're like they're like we're gonna get like we're gonna get like four feet. I'm like sweet. I'm gonna run downstairs make sure everybody's where they're supposed to be. Everybody's like, together. You know, everybody good. Everybody happy. Like you know, and that's the other thing is that sometimes you look at the forecast, and also it's tricks like that. It's like look at the forecast. If it's Monday and they say we're gonna get like slammed with snow on Wednesday, I separate the animals and I keep them apart on Tuesday. And then reintroduce on Wednesday because now it's like, hey, you're brand new. And then like, oh my God, storm! And it's like, yes, like it's sometimes you gotta grease the wheels right. a little bit. <laughs> but so do that kind of crap. But um, I would say definitely start cooling in November because at least with in, in in our neck of the woods, November tends to be colder. You can ride the cold through December and then. January as well and then when you start kind of warming up is right around the mid mid February where you might get one of those freak snowstorms in February but a lot of times by the end of February we're much in the warmer side yeah the end of February I'm back up to normal temps I mean I don't mm-hmm. really go down that long so my my thing is November, starting Halloween stop feeding yep. start dropping you know I mean yep let them empty out. I don't drop. Yep. Come December 1st, that's when I start dropping. You know, I start dropping the temps, let it go for the whole month, you know, let it go down. Um, it almost seems you can do this by holidays, like um, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like 100%. Everything. Thanksgiving, it's like, it's like Christmas. You should, you should, exactly. It's <laughs> like you should, you should be done feeding by um, Halloween. You should be, uh, you stop eating Halloween. You should be dropping after Thanksgiving. You should be at your minimum. You should be at maximum droppage by you know, uh, uh, Christmas. And uh, you should be bringing them up and pairing them together by Valentine's Day. And it's like, okay, good job. So that's really what you should do if you live in the Northeast. So yes, um, and then pretty much from that point on, uh, I. Now I haven't I haven't bred any spring breeders yet. Um, this mm, will, this upcoming fun. season um, will probably be my first shot at inlands, which would Ooh, you know, in, in theory. They are. You are. Yeah. Damn it! No, I'm not Why? prepared. I don't want inlands. <laughs> Wait, no. I I want inlands. No, don't breed inlands. That's, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, have the open. Damn it. Uh, well, you better chop, chop, man. Um, uh, hurry. <laughs> so, yeah, this will be the first, you know, and again, they might not go. They might not go. I've seen some mm-hmm. people, they haven't really, uh, you know, lot, look at Lon. I mean, he's produced them yeah. like they're just regular carpets, you know, nothing different. And there's other guys that, they, you know, they're more of a spring breeder type of thing. Um the trick for me will be when I breed diamond pythons. That will be the that will be the one that, you know, when I get over that hurdle, then I feel pretty confident with breeding carpet pythons. Those you know, scary um, shit. But um, yeah. So well, spring breeders. I mean, I, I find spring breeders because they're easier for mm-hmm. me because all the colubrids that I've been dealing with yeah. are spring breeders. So it was like, okay, treat this Python like a colubrid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it, but even then, dude, I struck out 
um, I struck out the first year I had the bread lie. I got them to breed, and then I struck out two years after that. So, you know. Huh. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. I guess I'll see how it goes and, and what I do. But I'm going to approach it like, you know, um, it's a uh, spring breeder. And, but mm-hmm. so what I do with the winter breeders is I kind of I kind of put them together once mm-hmm. I'm you know probably at the end of December I put them together and I pretty much leave them together throughout the season. Now there are times when I'm breeding a male to multiple females. I have done that. Um, I think you know most of the more stuff that I do is kind of like in that in that vein. Um, so, you know, I might do what, uh, one male to, I think the most I've ever done successfully was three females. And I don't think yeah. I would even push it more than that. You know, typically it's two, you know, typically I would say two. And I've had, and I've had, um, great success breeding to, uh, breeding one male to two females. And then I've had horrible failure where both females I think are gravid, pull the male and then they both psych me out. So you know, that mm-hmm. can happen too. Um, but I would say no more than three. Right. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I think, you know, ball python breeders, they can do, I think like eight, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. One well, male, was, eight females. Wasn't always, wasn't it always that you had a, you had a rack of 32s, which is 10 cages and it was the male and then his nine females and just moved him down the rack. Like, <laughs> yeah, isn't pretty that, much. wasn't that the old adage? I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more power to them, man. But yeah. So, so for carpets and you know, most other pipe, I don't think I would do, I mean, if I was breeding any other species, as far as pythons go, I probably would just keep them pairs, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, here's the thing. I'm getting to the point now where I don't have to have my males double up on the girls because I have enough boys and I also want the diversity. So like, unless breeding this male to these two females gets me something ridiculously different, like, you know, she's an albino and she's a zebra, like, and like, and he's an exanic, like unless by breeding them gets me something completely crazy I would much prefer to have the one female pair up with something else. Like I had this past year, I had a red tiger female go with a red tiger male. And then I had mm-hmm. just a normal tiger female that I was going to try to breed to the red tiger. And I was hoping just to get a bunch of tigers and I didn't get any of them. And now that looking back at it, I, I probably would have been pissed off because it would have had red tigers and normal tigers. And it's like, all right, great tigers. It's like, I have like 40 something tigers. I would much prefer to just have, one male go one direction and then rather than either repeating it or getting something close, go a completely different Mm -hmm. direction. So, um, but yeah, and and sometimes you get there, but I understand if you only have two or three males, you may have to double up and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that, uh, there's a lot of, uh, thought that, you know, females, 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 but like a lot of people, like they misjudge the importance of having, you do good males and, and backup males. And, oh, you yeah. know, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's really well, God. 
Well, I mean, that's what screwed me a couple of years ago. Um, I had, uh, all of a sudden I realized that all the boys I had were Jags. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> it's like, I got, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm like, I kept back every single Jag female and every single Jag male. I'm like, everything is a Jag. I'm like, what the hell? And that's <laughs> what screwed me over. And then also, um, it's a good thing to have the backup male uh, just because. Like, I had, uh, I had Echo. And then Echo died. And I would have had uh, years to wait to produce stuff. But I still kept Echo's father. So mm. I just dusted Talon's old ass off and threw him in with girls. And he bred. He bred this year. He's the father mm. of the Jungle Jags, which is just sacrilege. But um, the... <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. No, but it's... <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up. Anyway, but it's good to have. It's good to have backup backup boys. It's good to have the you're not working plug in something else. So, yeah. Don't yeah, get rid of boys. Yeah, and you know if a pair doesn't go, I. I... I have specific plans, right? So if a male won't breed a female, then I just don't do that pairing. I don't, I don't, I don't look at it like, uh, you know, oh, I have to put this, I have to breed this female because she's of age and she's of, you know, no, I'm just, it's this is the pairing, and if it works out, it works out. And if it don't, then you know, I wait on it till Whatever. next year. You know? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would say I've definitely gotten that point now more where it's just like. Whatever eggs come, come. Whatever babies come, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whoever eats, cool. It's like it's when you try not to stress out about it too much, you tend to enjoy it more. Where yes. you used to be like, "Why aren't you eating?" It's like that's it's you know, it, relax. They'll come around. If they don't come around, they weren't meant for this world anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. You know, yeah. So, uh, but I would definitely agree. It's just it don't. Don't go to pieces because your pairing that you've been dreaming of might not go this year because there's always next year. Um, mm-hmm. I would also say don't overthink it. You know, uh, I've had numerous person, one person, uh, call me and ask me because that they moved into a new house. What would I recommend they do to their house? And I'm like, but that's that's up to you, dude. That's not I'm I. I don't live in your house. Like, you know, you need to know what goes on. You need to do this. And he's, you got to just kind of settle and also don't overthink it too much. Read your house, read your room, go from there. Don't Mm -hmm. push it. Don't force it. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's really going to be fun when I try to breed some of these more, you know, scrub pythons and stuff like that. I'm, I really be be put to the test. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be more fun when you're trying to breed like Timor pythons and ring pythons and Angolan pythons. You got to when you start getting into shit that is far away from Australia. It's yeah. like you know what do you have to do to get this to breed? And that's that that can be hard, dude. So yeah, it's like you're starting all over again. And who knows, you know, it's like keeping those things in mind, like don't overthink it and stay on path yeah. and. You know, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, by raising things up slow and, and sort of getting them in that, that rhythm, like everything drops, mm-hmm. man. You know, when it when the room drops, everything drops and, and that's how it goes. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I, 
do you shoot for a temperature in your room? I mean, is there like you shoot for the bottom temperature of what you're, you're getting at I, and leave it there for a while? I used to. Um, the thing is I'll drop the herp stats to a certain mm-hmm. temperature because, but I, I stopped seeing it as the herp stats are going to be where the cages should get to. I kind of saw it as the herp stats are your safety net. You set the temp so it won't go below this temp. If your room mm-hmm. drops below that temp, that's fine. Just as long as right. the interior of the animal's cage does not drop below this temp. So I'll turn off or turn down the room heaters, and then I'll just make sure that the panels are on working and that they don't allow the animal's cage to drop below, we'll say, 70. Yeah, that's where I, I shoot I, for. Yeah, I think I shoot for 70. I think I'm usually happy if they get to be about 72. Um, and then I also allow them to get some warm time during the day. Well, I think that's the most important part that I've, yes. I learned early on when it comes to breeding snakes. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid that they take them down too low. They get respiratory infections, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, um, you know, as long as that animal can heat back up during the day, you know, yeah. um, to normal temperatures, I think that's where, like, when I first started breeding, that's where I totally screwed it up. I thought that you drop the temperatures and you leave the temperatures down. Yes, like you that's, basically no, but that's what hibernate I thought them. too. Yes. Yeah, no, and I actually that's incorrect. Had that way. It's weird. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, uh, that was my first like two seasons of breeding was that, mm-hmm. and I got success, which just goes to carpet pythons being bulletproof and able to breed. It's like yes. if you totally try to kill them, they'll still try to breed. It's like that's all right, but. And that's wrong. You're right. That is exactly wrong. I've had much more success with giving them a hotspot. I think the only reason that I had success before is I the room temperature didn't drop below the 70. Like didn't drop below 70. It got close and maybe didn't drop and maybe dropped below it once or twice like during a week or during the entire run, but it just happened to be that that room in particular stayed semi-warm. So that's the only, I think the only way I was able to do it, but yeah, I got our eyes all over the place. So it, giving them the hotspot during the day, which I, you, there's things you can do the setups with the computer systems and the herp stats where you can have it, that it takes 45 minutes for it to ramp up or ramp down. And this way it's all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of funny because what we've talked about with like diamond pythons coming out when they know the suns or lights are going to turn on, mm-hmm. my guys are usually positioned underneath the panels when the panel's lights are on because they're kicked on and they're warmed up and that's where they are and that's where they right. know to be. So right. having those hot things go up and down, it, it helps. And to be honest, it's helped a lot with the corn snakes too, because I got all them to breed this year by just having them in the same rack as the bread lie that I, that needed to warm up. So whatever. Right. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> I think, uh, yeah, what was, I mean, it was in the chat the other day, Scott, he posted up a picture mm. of carpets and I think it was like 26 or maybe it was 25 degrees Celsius or something like that, which would yeah. be, well, 22 would be 71. So, you know, somewhere in that area and that's out, out and about, you know, they're out going all over the place. Um, 
as long as they can heat up. Exactly. It's now when you go shipping animals, are you more nervous shipping them in the summertime or in the wintertime? Summer. Thank you. I have to ship off an animal now. And, you know, I had to tell the the person that bought it. I was like, listen, man, I'm I'm nervous about shipping it this week because the temperature temperatures are all above 90. And Mm -hmm. that just makes me nervous, man. Like, I like that. I prefer that uh, sweet spot of like, you know, eighty something degrees. I could, yeah, I could, I could do that. I'm, I'm fine with that. But like fifty degrees, I'm more comfortable shipping it. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be, to be honest, I sent out three snakes yesterday, and mm-hmm. the only reason I sent all three of them out is because when they left here, it was like eighty six, eighty seven. Mm-hmm. And they were all going to places that were in the seventies. I'm like, all right, bye guys. <laughs> like, you know, okay, whatever. I'll see you later. And they didn't. Yeah. They did not go with heat packs. And one was one made it perfectly on time. The other mm-hmm. one came so late it was ridiculous. And the last one is uh, will not be delivered till tomorrow. And Ooh. yeah, luckily that is in a FedEx facility and being taken care of and will be okay. But like, you know, I'm like sweating bullets because it's hot. If it was wintertime, I'd be like, they have a 72-hour heat pack. They'll be fine. Yeah. Like, that. that's just how it goes. So I hate shipping in the summertime. But the same thing goes with, you think about it, with dropping them down. If the temperature goes down to a certain point, they can handle it. It's just that they're kept down there. That's when they tend to die. So, yeah. If your room drops below 70, that's fine. It might actually end up helping you. Just make sure it comes back up as soon as possible. So. I'm sure my room goes dips below 70 at some point. Yeah. I mean, basically well, you're, what you're, I do, I turn off the heat your door. Yeah. yeah. And crazy, uh, you know, what I do going into this season, like I have an exterior door that goes outside. There's just a door there. And I mean, this it's pretty, pretty good. You know, it's sealed up pretty good. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like there's a draft or anything. Um, but what I do once it starts getting cold, cold, is that I kind of shut that door off for the winter. And I more or less, uh, I put like um, insulation foam or whatever up. Or sometimes yeah. I'll put like a heavy duty blanket up just to sort of, just to, just to kind of take that chill of those animals that are closer to the door, oh, you know, away. But um, I don't, I don't cover up the window or anything. I just cover up the, you know, the door spot, and and uh, it seems to work out well. And again, it's all about, you know, I think when I went to uh, Matt's, I really got an idea of looking at, I mean, he had thermometers at the top, thermometers at the bottom, and I'm looking at the temperatures and they're pretty much the same. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. the air movement is good throughout the room. And, you know, you really got to try to find like where those cold spots are, where those hot spots are in a perfect situation. You want the room to be the same temperature as it is up above as it is down on the floor. Um, but you're going to get somewhat of a drop. Um, if, you, are. you know, putting fans around and, and circulating that air helps with that kind of stuff. Um, if you really want a good situation, put ceiling fans in and it'll push that air down. Um, yeah. You know, that hot air down. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have ceiling fans in, in my room. So I use like a, uh, 
uh, I'll have to put it over in the chat. I got it in Amazon. It was like 30. It's not like, uh, it's like, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's not like a fan that you would put, you know, to cool off. It's, it's made for moving air around, you know, that's, that's what right. it's made to do. Um, well, yeah, I have, I have the, that. Um, I have a bit, uh, what the hell is it? I have one that stands up, a tower fan that just kind of oscillates back and forth and it's right in front of a space heater. And all that is is just moving air around. I mean, yeah, yeah that's it. And, and you know, I, I kind of, I've, I've said this before, but I kind of keep like the stuff that sort of has to stay more consistent temperatures up, up on the top and, you know, things that are more, uh, you know, able to withstand the little colder temperatures down towards the bottom. Um, and, uh, I just sort of, I just sort of roll with that and it seems to work. Um, the one thing that I did screw up this season and, uh, was that when I was doing maternal incubation, uh, Mm -hmm. with my caramel head exam or head exanic or whatever they're called now, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, she was doing maternal incubation and um i had her too low i think in the room and i think that uh those the eggs got too cold i think uh yeah. ultimately and i think that there was uh probably humidity issues or whatever and um ultimately uh the eggs went bad um damn which you know that happens but you live and you learn. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, if you make those kind of mistakes, um, you learn from those mistakes and you try to figure out, you know, what happened and, and, and move on. Um, yeah. I just chalk it up to, uh, to, to learning and make sure that that doesn't happen again, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as like temperatures, you know, that's the thing that people focus most on when it comes to breeding is all about temperatures and temperatures and temperatures. And, you know, we've talked about this before where I just think there's a, there's, there's a bunch of different cues that could get those animals to go. Um, I rarely do combat anymore. Um, but I have done it for animals that, you know, I can't get that male to go. So, Hmm. um, I kind of like Owen's idea of, uh, you know, taking sheds and stuff like that. Um, so it's not as, uh, you know, cause I mean, you know, carpets will tussle around and whatnot every once in a while they can, you know, you think back, I seen some, some that, that delivered some crazy bites and stuff and yeah. it can mess them up. Nothing like retics. Holy shit, man. They oh, will. holy shit. Yeah. yeah. But Whew. Also, I've seen like combat might not be effective if if one male is a jag. I mean, like that. That's just <laughs> yeah, that's just horrible. I mean, it's just sad. <laughs> it's like, but yeah. so what I what I usually do is I have a male that sheds, and I'll tear the shed into pieces, and I'll throw it into the cage of all the girls that he's not breeding with that season. And that usually gets the males to kind of kick up a little bit. I haven't had to do the, the like the shoving it in a spray bottle because I have so many boys now. It's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily need to be one of your breeding males. It could be one of your juvenile males that's close, like that's on the on the edge of, of breeding because that'll do it. I mean, it, it just kind of – you just chuck it in there. And uh, I had my male – olive python uh he actually shed and 
peed all over it and stuff like that on a piece of paper. I took the whole piece of paper and put it in with my pair of olives and my larger male olive was like investigating this piece of paper for at least a good hour. Like he was sniffing it. He was crinkling it. He was. And then I found him curled up in the bin with the female. So sometimes they need incentive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down. I mean, you know, from that point forward, it's just riding out, you know, I, I record locks and stuff. I don't know about you, but there's not like a certain amount of locks that I shoot for. I don't, I don't specifically yeah. say, you know, I have to have 10 locks and then I know it's good. Um, Jesus. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've I did ever know- seen 10 locks from one pair in a season. It's like, no, sometimes you only, no, dude, sometimes you only see one. Sometimes you don't see any. So, I mean, like, it's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, that goes back to what we said at the beginning. I mean, again, just being honest, it's much easier to see that kind of uh, behavior uh, if you have a cage, you know, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's just that simple. But, you can, you know, but, but I have hide boxes and shit. So sometimes they're just in the box and I'm like, all right, I, you guys haven't pissed on your paper. I'll see you later. Like, you know, it's, you know, yeah. you, it all depends on also if you want to go investigate. And I tend to want to not because I have enough animals that if I go and poke around in their cage to see if they're locked, I'll mess them up. And like the boy will twitch or come looking for a rat or the girl will, or so I'd much rather not see the locks, but then see her basking belly up a month or two later and be like, gotcha. Like, that's what I would rather see. Yeah. And you know, I, I just, again, I, I look at sheds. I kind of watch the Mm -hmm. sheds to see what the female's doing, uh, to try to get a feel. Um, if she goes blue, I usually will pull the male out at that point, Mm -hmm. uh, let her shed in peace. I don't know if that matters or doesn't. It's probably just my own stupid, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a stupid quirk that I got. I don't know. And so I, I well, no, pull them uh, out, give them a break. Um, and then put them back together. Or are we talking? And then put them back. No, no. I usually put them back together. I mean, when right. she ovulates, that's usually when I take them out. You know, usually right. I'll take them out. And now if I've noticed that and now I did this back in, um, I want to say maybe 20, maybe 2015. Okay. Maybe 2015. Yeah, I noticed that I wasn't getting any any any. The females didn't look like that. Uh, you know that they were gonna go. So mm. I gave them a couple small meals when they came out, and boom, they ovulated. So I, you know, I'm not. That is a trick that you can use. Um, you know, if you've seen locks and whatnot, but yet you just it just feels like. She's not progressing where she should be. Mm-hmm. I did that, and man, you know, I think I think Casper did the same thing that year, and he had the same type of success. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, it's one of those little tricks, and you know, the female. Um, like within a week, maybe it just, yeah. just like, boom, she just, she just went, 
so, you know. No, and uh, I'll, I'll agree that I've actually adopted that from you guys where it's like they warm up and then they'll maybe get a rat weanling or a small rat, something to just jumpstart them. And uh, I've had more success and I've had uh, healthier babies as a result. So Yeah, yeah, because the female's putting that into – you know, egg production, follicles into egg production. You know, yeah. so it's 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 it can't hurt. You know, and um, there's something else that I mean, like, and kind of on the back end of that, uh, I always used to be a big fan of first baby's pip, uh, manual slice open at least like a little bit, the rest of the eggs, mm-hmm. and I've kind of gotten away from that. Yeah, I didn't cut I'm it all also, this year. I didn't cut it all this year. Not a uh, single egg. And I had a few animals that were DOA in the eggs. Uh, I did too. Some some cow kings and then some caramel head exanic and stuff. But the animals that did come out, and this is like, like some of them didn't pip for two or three days after the first one pipped. But they all came out with full bellies, no ripped umbilicals, no blood. Perfect. So... I am very much in the camp of let them come out on their own now. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, I guess the, there's some train train of thoughts like, you know, you want the, all the babies to survive and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and then there's the other train of thought that just like you just said, um, I don't know. I sort of, I, I don't do this for I a living, so it's not, yeah, I, I, so it's not, like, imperative that, you know, obviously I want them to hatch out, but I, it's almost I like I look at live. it like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it, I don't know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's selective, <laughs> select, natural selection and natural in selection just works. taking yeah. hold and just you know sort of saying okay well you're not going to make it you're not going to make it. i mean because well, we don't know how many come out how many survive and how many, you know what i mean like we can well, i know we think we know but we don't yeah in the wild i mean well, yeah. I, exactly but i also admit that because they're coming out and they've absorbed their yolk entirely it mm-hmm. it takes them longer to shed and mm-hmm. once they do shed like they're on the food like gangbusters. It's like, and dude, I've had those times where one comes out and rips this umbilical cord and is bleeding everywhere. And you're like, shit, like, you know, and that's sometimes that can happen just because you slit the door open. But Mm -hmm. I would say, let every, see if everybody pips on their own. Now, if the entire clutch is pipped and there's like one egg that hasn't, then I would say go ahead and try to slice it open. Uh, you know, that would be, but I, 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 I didn't start cutting eggs until everybody else in the clutch was out or on their way to being out. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the, the good way to go. But again, if, if you so. want to cut, then, you know, cut them. Cut. I, you know, if, I you, guess... if you want to force feed, force feed. If you want to do that, whatever, you yeah. know, fine. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of the, the, uh, the whole scoop, <laughs> scoop them out of the egg. <laughs> what's this rip? It's like, oh, yeah. it is a, not, it is a shocked baby. That's what it is. It's like, Jesus, uh, dude. 
again, I, you know, I do whatever, but I'm just, to me, I, I, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, they're sealed in that egg for a reason. And when you just like reach in and just you rip think, them out. You think there's a, okay. you think there's a guy hatching all the wild retics just runs around and be like, quick, I have to get you all out of your eggs. <laughs> or do you think they just come up the phone? Yeah. But it's so hard, man. You know, you're waiting. You want to see what's in I there. Know. Especially when you're doing morph stuff. You're like, oh, what I does know. it look like? What is it? You know, and you see the first one, Pip, and you're like, oh, I want to see what the rest are. You know? I but, know, but, you know, I'd rather than, exactly. you three I'd rather months. come out and healthy. Exactly. You can wait yeah. a couple more days. Yeah. So. Even then, it's and, not going to look as impressive until after it has its first shed anyway. I mean, it's going to be like, well, like your guest, I get you're kind of cool, but then let it shed. It's like, it, whatever. I wonder if the animals this year ate better mm. because of that. You know, you and me both Maybe. said that uh, our animals uh, were, were all pretty much eaten. Um, all my coastal you know, stuff is eating. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it had to do something. Maybe not. I don't know. You know, we could just be uh, putting two and two together, and it's not <laughs> it's not what happened. But well, you know, how much would that piss me off? That it's like the reason I had to deal with non feeders or problem feeders for the past ten years is because I wasn't patient enough to not <laughs> cut the egg. <laughs> you son of a bitch! God <laughs> damn it! Yeah. Screwing myself. It's like. But that, that sometimes that's the way it is, and sometimes you learn. And I would say, like what you said about having the consistency is very important. But also be willing to take advice or change things a little bit. Don't don't change things drastically and expect to have success. Like, you know, don't don't sit there and be like, you know what I'm going to do is open all the doors and windows. It's like, no, no, dear God, no. So, but, you know, you can change little things a little bit, you know, your timing, this, that, and the other thing. And sometimes it works out better. If it works, keep it. If it doesn't work, don't do it again. This is why it's so yes. important if you're a first-time breeder to buy from a breeder. Because if you've grown up that snake over the couple years and you bought, yes. you know, snakes from that person or whatever, you can kind of reach out to them while you're going through. So, like... You first, what I would say if you're new to breeding is first, you want to figure out way in advance, like what's going to be your approach? What do you think? What, what do you think is the, the way to be successful with breeding? You know, and then, you know, talk to somebody that breeds that way. You know, whether it's food cycling, light cycling, you know, temperature cycling, whatever it is, however you, you know, you, in your head, you think that is going to be best for that animal in your conditions, um, you know, find somebody that lives by you, you know, is in your area. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, if you live in the Northeast then find somebody in the Northeast, if you live in Florida, don't come or listen, call somebody in the Northwest because <laughs> you're not going to have the you, same approach. If you live in the Northeast, Northeast, there are literally six Morelia Python radio episodes where we talk about this. So like, yes. you know, come on. Yeah, nobody from no one from Pennsylvania should be calling us asking us how to set up a room. Jesus no. Christ! <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's what it comes down to. So that would be my best advice, and you know, figure out what you want to do, and you know, start it now. Like if you're going to drop yeah. temperatures, then drop temperatures, and then when the, you know, a winter comes up, you know, it, it, then then you do it. There's other guys like Lon, Keith. 
uh, Terry, uh, VPI, uh, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't drop temperatures they, you know, they, they do more of a food cycle. They keep that constant, you know, 82 degrees type of deal, a 78 to 82. And I tried that. It just didn't work for me. And it, the reason why it didn't work for me is because I changed number one mid season. I changed mid season. I thought, bad. Oh <laughs> yeah, that sounds so good. You know, I had a terrible year that year. I had, that was when I had some respiratory infections. And the reason is, is because my animals were used to this and I just abruptly changed, abruptly changed it and, and and made it that. (laughs) And they're like, well, what the hell, man? And I'm feeding them, you know, when you're doing that and you're doing ambient temperatures, you don't feed them big meals, you know? And that was part of the thing that was left out of that conversation is that, you know, you want to feed them smaller meals, you know, and you don't feed them as much because it's not as, as warm. So their metabolism in theory is not, you know, firing on all cylinders, I guess, if you Mm -hmm. will. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I think Owen, you've said this a million times, there's a million ways to skin a cat. So, you know, the best thing you can do is just pay attention to your snakes. They will tell you what they want and what, you know, what, what time of year it is for them. You know, uh, once you get yeah. that down, you, you, you will have success. Uh, you know, carpet pythons are not hard to breed really at all. <laughs> They're just not. Right. Um, and, but here's the thing is also don't, don't think that you can't start tooling around with how you're going to cycle your animals when they're all old enough. I mean, that was the other thing with me is that I had, a bunch of animals and I'm like, I don't have to worry about, you know, dropping temps or doing how I'm going to do it. Cause they're not old enough yet. It's like, just, you should maybe put them through the paces or at least start trying to build up your plan before it's time for them to go down because then you'll know how your room's going to react to that stuff. You're going to know what you can get away with and what you can do and can't do. Um, rather than being like, it's your first season, good luck, and like turning off the power. It's like that's, you know, because then you'll be trying to learn while you have animals going down for the first time. And it's almost like like what you did when you moved is you took the year off to figure out how your room was going to work. You Mm -hmm. focused solely on how the room is affected through winter, how your animals are affected in the room through winter, and what to do from there. And mm-hmm. then you hit it hard the following season. Can you imagine trying to figure out your room while you're pairing animals? Oh, no way. I exactly. can't. No way, man. That's it, the it, recipe for disaster. So It is. And I mean, the, and what I did, it was wrong, is I moved while animals were paired. So, of course, my season <laughs> sucked. But I, was, but I managed to solve it because two of my females I'm pretty sure were already gravid by the time I moved. So mm-hmm. we can't, we weren't stopping those trains, but everything else got derailed. So, mm-hmm. and you just gotta get it. Don't, don't rush into it is what I guess I, my whole thing about this would be. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, the, uh, that's it. I mean, there's nothing else yeah. to it. Get the eggs, well, I set mean, them up. Yeah, I mean, like you're like you do light cycles. I don't. I keep them on twelve hours day, twelve hour night, all year round. Um, you uh, study the moon and what it's doing to them. <laughs> I, I do. I really don't care. Yeah, so yeah, you don't care. 
I really don't give a damn. So there's that. I mean, so like I said, there are lots of things. So, dude, when you work in Philadelphia, yes, in a bad part of town, <laughs> oh, you oh know God, <laughs> that the the moon affects people. A hundred percent. I do not close on the night. The rush on tasty cakes? What goes on, dude? I mean. No, No, man. People get crazy, man. They get freaking nuts. It's, it's so, it's the weirdest thing. I, 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 it's just, you know, I don't know. The the drug rehab lets out on the full moon night. I don't know, man, but it just gets crazy. We only release the druggies every full moon. Like, it's are you that way? Are you sitting in your office and you're like, man, there have been a lot of dudes trying to shoplift Manila wafers, so I'm going to go home and make sure my IJs are put together. Like, <laughs> what is your yeah, that's, thinking? <laughs> that's the process, you know. It's always related back to snakes somehow, some way. <laughs> somehow we get No matter what it is. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, the full shit. moon. I, I bet you all my snakes shed tonight because it's all crazy in this place. <laughs> And the other guy you in your so- office is like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I'm just a crazy snake guy at work. That's all. Of course, everyone. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny, actually. Like some of, uh, so, yeah, I've said this before, but there's like 212 people that I'm in charge of. And like um, <laughs> the one guy, uh, there was a, this one kid and he found out, I guess, somehow that I breed snakes. And he came up to me, he's like, uh Hey Eric, uh, I heard that uh, you breed snakes, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, so how many do you have? Like twelve? I'm like, no, <laughs> maybe like two hundred. Oh, he's like, oh sweetheart, what? no. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> and what kind is it? You know, of course it's the whole poisonous <laughs> thing, and you're like, no, of I don't course. Keep I said it's not poisonous, man. It's venomous, and I said no, I don't keep venomous, and you know. I said, they're just pythons. Oh, my God. You mean like those big things in Florida? Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. See, the problem, I can say no to that. You have to be like, why, yes. Yes, they are. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's – but it, it's funny because people always shoot low. I actually had this conversation with someone this weekend. How many snakes do you have? I'm like, oh, that's a question you never really want to ask me. They're like <laughs> – I'm like, all right. I'm like, so tell me. They're like – they're like – I don't know, 13. And I'm like, I just hatched 13. I'm like, so I yeah. gave them a thumbs up. And they're like, 50. I'm like, thumbs up. And I'm like, they're like, they're like, oh, my God. And then I gave them the number. And they're like, oh, dear Lord. I'm like, and then they always take a step back. And I'm like, I don't have any on me right now. Like, they're not going to come crawling out of my pockets. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Um so yeah, I mean, what was the, there was another question on that. Here's it's an off the wall question. Go What's for it. your monthly feeding cost? Ooh. I'd say it's got to be about five hundred bucks a month. Yeah, I would say that's about right. Yeah, it's five hundred bucks yeah. a month, but what is ordered changes. It's like like this past month I spent about five hundred bucks, but it was a lot of rats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then now, uh, I'm sorry, that was the last one. That was, that was, uh, July. Uh, I ordered them in July and then I got them, uh, Saturday, but I have to order some more because uh, I didn't mm-hmm. get other stuff. So, or other stuff ran out, ran out in between, but like this next order is going to be a lot of mice. It's going to be a lot of 
large mice, medium mice, a lot of fuzzies and pinkies and stuff like that because I got a lot of babies right now and soon that will shift over. So it's like, it's about 500 bucks a month, but what I order, what is ordered is always fluid, whether it's going to be rats or mice or it all depends on what I need. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, about 500 bucks a month. Yeah. I would say the same, but the thing of it is, is that pretty much from November till end of February, beginning of March, I don't feed. So now, I do save money then. <laughs> uh, you do. You do. And but the thing is, I've actually been buying rodents during the off months to stock the fridge, the freezer for during the 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 months that everybody's awake. I won't oh, buy absolutely. pinkies. Uh, yeah, I won't, I won't. I won't buy pinkies because they'll get freezer burnt and stupid. But everything else. So like when everybody's down and the rodent breeders' prices kind of go down a little bit because nobody's buying rodents. That's when you start buying things. And it's not here's the thing. It's not. It's not the large rats or the small rats. The, the medium, medium rats. rats. Yes. <laughs> the medium. Yes. When the price of medium rats goes down a little bit, buy as many as you can because you're never going to find any. The goddamn ball python guys are going to take them all. So it's it's, – and the problem is a lot of rodent breeders, their small rats and their large rats are sometimes cheaper than their medium rats because um, breeders that only feed their animals live will pay – the same price for a live rat. So it's not worth them to kill the rats and freeze the rats. So there's also not that many medium rats going around. So they're going to make it worth their while. It's it's this whole big thing um, to the point now where I've actually kept animals on small rats to a point where they're big enough for a large rat. And then I just totally skipped the medium rat altogether. (laughs) It's like, screw it. Never mind. It's like, right. That's just the way it goes. So, um, I will, I am definitely, I didn't do it this year. Uh, and I'm definitely suffering for it, but, uh, I, I will be grabbing more and more rats during the off season, uh, this coming season. So, yeah. Yeah. What I do is I, sp- I bought, um, when it was downtime, I bought 700 hoppers. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, that was smart. And just stocked the fridge with hoppers. There was a sale. Exactly. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm getting them. I'm getting it. Yep. Load them up. Yep. You know, which, you know, I'm still running through them with all those babies. So, it's yeah. Good. And, that, um, and that's when you got you to strike when the iron's hot. And that's why I would recommend everybody who's got an, even a, a, a minimum a minimal snake collection, get a deep freezer because yes. you can oh buy up these rats in bulk and you can throw them in the freezer and you can totally forget about it. And I would also say that, you know, now it used to be a pariah thing to get an animal onto an alternative food source. Um, mm-hmm. Like I only want it to be eating frozen thawed white mice. It's like, okay, um, it's eating black mice. I don't want it. All right, fine. Like, you know, now it's, <laughs> It's like it's okay to get them onto other things because some things can be cheaper. Like up near me, it is cheaper for me to buy frozen thawed chicks than it is frozen thawed mice of the same size. Mm-hmm. So I have now switched all my king snakes and corn snakes and rat snakes to chicks 
because it is cheaper. I get a bigger bag for cheaper. So, and they get a, a larger animal to eat. And I've not seen anything bad. And people are like, oh, but their shit is so horrible. Collybridge shit is already horrible. So I don't <laughs> understand what the hell we're yeah. talking about here. So, but yeah, I, I, it's not, I don't think it's a bad thing anymore. And every once in a while, when I run out of chicks, they still eat mice. So don't be too afraid to do that stuff. Yeah, I know there's this whole idea that, um, you know, that they're hard to switch and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, yeah. I never have an issue because they're always friggin' hungry. So <laughs> I, I I keep them hungry, man, and I never have a problem. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you're feeding them like crazy and pounding them every week and, you know, feeding them really big meals and stuff, um, yeah, yeah, they're probably going to be picky, you know. Well, but, and, uh, and I mean, that, that was something we talked about where it's like I have I have a jungle carpet that's going on two years old and I can't get him off of mice. What do I do? I'm like, put him down with winter with the breeders. And when he comes back up, be like, this is a rat. This is all you're going to get offered. Guarantee you he takes it. You know, that's just how it goes sometimes, you know, and I mean, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, that approach is, uh, you know, I had this beautiful jungle from Andrew Paris and, uh, unfortunately it didn't make it cause it was a picky feeder to begin with. And Andrew told me that, and, you know, I was like, ah, you know, I should be able to get it to go. And, um, I had it going there for a while, but for whatever reason, man, it just, it, it, it just, it was, it was a bad eater and it was like, oh man. Yeah. It's kind of bummed when, when it didn't, but sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't, you know, I was kind of, yeah. in a way, I'm kind of, kind of glad that, you know, that, that, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, genetic or not, but I, well, if it's, if it's a picky eater, then why keep, you know what I mean? Like why keep no, well, that going? And, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's better off that way, I guess. Well, I would, I would, picky eaters are one thing. And I've had picky eaters that shift. Like last year, I hatched out a caramel that just would not take rodents. So I literally started pulling the heads off the chicks that I was feeding to mm-hmm. king snakes. And this little caramel would just eat a chicken head. And it would just keep eating chicken heads. And it started growing. It started putting on size. And then I literally gave it a mouse with some down on the head. Took the mouse. Mm-hmm. Then it never saw chicks again. And it came around. And, you know, and that sometimes is what you have to do. But when you cross the line to I'm keeping the animal alive, like by me force feeding it or by me doing this, this, this and this, that's when I think you're really starting to get into the do you really want to keep doing this? Because I've had animals that I've force fed for a year, almost a Mm -hmm. year force fed, and they started eating on their own and then all of a sudden they just die. And it's like, so I just spent a year pouring time, food, money into this animal, and I still got the same result I could have gotten way back when. Right. So, and and you know what? What if I had sold it when it started eating and it went to somebody else's house and died there? You know, it's like the, what do you want to do here? I would much rather represent or have... So, or sell people animals that are stronger and able to take care of themselves. So, unfortunately, right. if one falls by the wayside, it falls. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's just a part of 
part of breeding and working with live animals, and some make Nature's it, some a don't. Bitch. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we're about. Uh, I guess we hit on uh, most of the stuff that we should, you know. And there's plenty of other episodes that you can listen back to that, you know, we hit on various breeding topics. And I'm sure once breeding season kicks in, we'll probably be talking about it again. But <laughs> But that's pre-breeding season, and, you know, again, put it this way, feed to breed. So, yeah. you know, you kind of want to start to think about that, kind of put your pairings together. The last question I'll ask, what is your most anticipated it. pairing for 2019? I'm talking carpets or other shit? Whatever. It, your most right, cool. anticipated pairing all together for your whole collection. All right, uh, I will be breeding my Caramel Het Exanic to an Exanic Jag. So that's probably okay. my most anticipated carpet pairing. But then I'm also breeding a Stonewash Bread Lie to a normal Bread Lie. So that's something else there as well. Um, yes. And then as far as my Collier Brids, dude, it's like everything I've been raising up in the past couple of years comes of age. You know, my Pine Snakes will be ready to roll. My Beauties will be ready to roll. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so I think that would be probably the most anticipated pairing. So cool yeah. for me, poison ivy stuff. <laughs> Gasp! I say, um, yeah. Did, did did Steve Katz just like faint? <laughs> so <no. laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, that that'll be my most anticipated pairing. You know. Uh, so what is the plan? Are we taking a boy back to a girl? Yep. Ooh, Boy shit. Back to a girl. See what happens. If so. they come, if they come out jet black, are you going to be like vindication? Like, <laughs> you know, <and> just <laughs> <laughs> or if they come out normal, I'll be like, I'm Damn out. It! <laughs> <laughs> Liquidation sale. I'm out. <laughs> They're hatching. No, I don't know, man. Normal. You just yeah. dump them into a trash can. It's like, <laughs> goddamn, goddamn it. <laughs> I don't know, man. There, I, I I hate to be uh, be thinking about it ahead of time, but you know, I just don't know how there can't be something going on there. It's just it's they're just too weird, you know, from IJs that I ha- I have so many different. It would be different if I had like three IJs or something like that, but I have so <laughs> many different kinds and types and patterns and colors, and these are just different. So. I, know. I don't know. So, we'll see. And the fact that there's something similar in Australia in Darwin carpets, I don't know. It just is just too many things that make it seem like, and, you know, everybody wants their thing to be something. And, you know, every, you know, we're all like, sort of like, uh, yeah, definitely something here. And I don't know. It's just no, but too you're many things. taking the time you're, you're, you're doing it correctly. And you're also not going there being like, you're not selling animals. You're not selling poison ivy babies going, dude, guaranteed. Like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're going to breed them. And yeah. you're going to see what happens. Now, what if the babies hatch kind of like with what poison ivy babies have been hatching, where you can see where the black's coming, but there's more of it, and they get kind of more intense. And then, I mean, are you going to have to hold back that clutch, too? 
pro- oh yeah, pro- I mean that would probably be the one that I would hold on to for a while. You know, I mean, yeah. what do you, what do you do with that? Like, I mean, I don't know. What if they all of a sudden like I sell them all as normals and then all of a sudden they all turn black? You know, <laughs> I'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> the best Easter egg on the planet, according to Morelia breeders. They have to go try to track down your IJs. So I think you know. I, my prediction is that you know, and I've. I've said this all along. Um, I think it's similar to like the IMG gene and boas. Yeah. You know, they just, they gain melanin as they age, you know? Um, so we'll see. I don't know. You know, it would be badass to have an all black carpet though. And even better yet, that it that would be an IJ because you would want an all black. I don't carpet. want to talk about it. I and know. See, that's the fact, not fair. The fact that it is an IJ. Bend over backwards for an IJ. <laughs> now, yeah, you know, it's like, that's you know the way to make me eat a bunch of crow because it's like it's good to have a black carpet python that you know wasn't spray painted, you know yeah. it's yeah yeah right that <laughs> wasn't spray painted. Piss me um, off. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's my most anticipated pairing uh, for next year. Sweet. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, next week you'll be leaving, and uh, well, next week got- I'll be. Next week after the show, I'll be immediately heading down to my mom's to crash because then I'm getting on a plane to go to Florida. So gotcha. next week I will be here because, uh, you know, I believe in NPR. <laughs> and <okay>. also, <laughs> I feel we I feel we used Rob a lot last month. So it's like, yeah, maybe, poor Rob. I think he, maybe I think he, he went into conclusion, yeah, yeah, he went into conclusion. He's like, He's I've gone. talked to these guys too much. I can't talk to them anymore. I need a couple of weeks off away. We we yeah. broke Rob. It's like, yeah. okay, so, you know. I didn't think the guy um, would ever get sick of talking reptiles, but I think But here we go. Him. There we found it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we never think we'd get to that point, but here we are. So yeah. uh, I I will be here, uh, depending on the guest, but I'll be packed in. <laughs> If it's somebody guest, I don't like, I won't be here. Well, I mean, you know, if you're like, I booked Nick Mutton, I'll be like, you son of a bitch. Like, I need this to end on time. So, right. it's like, I'll be mad at you, to be honest. So, um, no, no, no but, Nick next week. I'll, I'll keep thank it. Thank you. All right, all right. Good. Thank you. So, yeah. yeah, once once the show's over, I'll uh, I'll 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 leave. Um, but Jim Jim is watching Zero. So he's gonna be here again. So oh, it'll boy. be like old times, where like oh, every right. once in a while you might hear my father. Yeah, right. So. Is there any kind of sports game going on next week? There's always a NPR sports time. game going on. There's always okay. a sports game going on. Uh, so. so we don't have the guests lined up. I got to touch base with Rob to see uh, if he. I don't know if he booked anything or not, but uh, All right. I know he had a couple ideas in mind and was talking to some people. So we'll see. Um, so yeah, I'll probably talk to Rob tomorrow and figure that out. So, uh, what else do we got? Um, MoreliaPythonRadio.com is our website. Info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com is our email. Um, yeah. And for me, I actually have, I'm kind of excited about this. I did this today. I actually have available animals on my website. Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> this is this is a new day, um, <laughs> a new me, a new day where I sell snakes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go to ebmorelia.com, go under available, and you'll see. Uh, and there's more to come. Um, I'm gonna actually send you Owen. I'm gonna send this to you right now because I think you you'll dig this. 
But um, probably. <laughs> yeah, you will. This right. is what I did for um, available animals, which I thought was. Oh man, more sharing. If it's really good, dude, I'm just gonna steal it because uh, my new website launches. Okay, good. Um, My new website launches on Tuesday, so. uh, On Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. I know. I went there today. And it's like Uh, no go. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I was trying to put it in. But that's cool. So let's see if it pops up, but. Popped up in there. All right. Did it? You see it? It's in. It's in Evernote. Yep. Of course. <laughs> I like that. Where it's like, what it is? The ID, the pick, the price, the for sale. So that's just for me. So I have it. And yeah. Like what they're, you know, what's going to be available. So if somebody's asked, you know, and then that way I can keep up to date with what's what and where's what. Yeah, and I like that kind this. of thing. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. It is. Um, do I want anything on here? Probably not. <laughs> I'll share it over. No. I guess. Yeah, I yeah, can. No. I guess I can share. You think I can share that in the? I can share yeah. that in the, the chat. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why is the granite zebra something 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 or other up here? You put the thing up for sale. Which one? The, the nail? The, the, yeah. Yeah. You crazy person. I have a granite zebra. What the hell do I want another one for? But this one's pretty. <laughs> so it's yeah, it is now. I don't, <laughs> I don't want well, it. Tell me, I don't want it. As... Actually, yeah. that one might be um, might be a caramel granite zebra. To be honest with you. Yeah. It. it, it yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, no. huh? All right. Well. We shouldn't we shouldn't have the show where people are just listening to me shop. So um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah, let's continue. <laughs> that's kind of the idea. So anyway, there's more to come. As you can see, there's some that don't have prices because I'm trying to figure out like what the hell is the price for this shit of stuff you don't have. But yep. um, pretty much carpet python wise, if you're interested in something, you know, hit me up and uh, I'm sure I probably have uh, something. So. Uh, ebmorelia.com or ebmorelia.net both take you to the same thing new websites up and going and uh, it's uh, I'm working on it day by day uh, but uh, got available animals on the page so you can check it out there and if you have any questions or anything like that feel free to reach out to me eric at ebmorelia.com you can follow me on facebook page instagram twitter youtube all ebmorelia so that's all i got cool uh, what we can do is you could go to rogue-reptiles.com, but nothing would happen there. Uh, new <laughs> website will be launched on Tuesday next week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. I will be making announcements. What you can do right now is go to facebook.com and look up Rogue Reptiles and give us a like over there. There is an album on the Facebook page for all the animals for sale. There aren't that many left. I think I'm down to two caramels, and a tiger jag, and then three coastals, and that's pretty much it for this season. I will be putting up animals for sale when I get back uh, from my Florida vacation um, in Daytona. So I will start taking pictures of the animals from 2018 and putting them up for sale. Currently, uh, there's some caramel head exanic. There's tiger head exanic. There's caramel jags. Uh, actually, they're Lemke 
caramel jags because I'm a horrible person and I only mm. have one Lemke. But anyway, um, the uh, and then of course <laughs> the uh, jungle jags and then eventually the bread lie when they're ready to go. Also have some California king snakes and some corn snakes as well that I'll put up there when uh, I decide to take pictures of them too. Um, you can always reach out there. Uh, you email me there or message me on Facebook. You can also go and follow me on Instagram, which is my last name, McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E-O-J. Because uh, every once in a while I post up some pictures of animals that are for sale on there. And that's it. I think that's all we have for everybody this week. So we're going to say thank you all for listening. And we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.